The farm equipment industry is going through some interesting changes, partly due to the pandemic. We check in with two industry experts to look at different sides of the equipment coin. Welcome to Around Farm Progress, a weekly podcast that looks at agriculture issues across the country. I'm Willie Vogt, your host and editorial director for Farm Progress. During the Farm Progress show, we connected with two industry folks involved with equipment. The farm equipment industry is seeing rising demand for new machines at a time when supply crunches are crimping availability. That's driving many farmers to the used market and often to auctions. We get insight on that issue with Mark Stock from Big Iron Auctions. And that company sells more than equipment, so he's offering some insight on land values too. We also caught up with Eric Raby, President and General Manager for Sales at Kloss, to get his take on the supply issues and other factors impacting the farm equipment industry. Kloss has taken some proactive actions in light of the market, and Raby shares his thoughts on that as well. First up, Mark Stock shares his insights on this changing market and the role of auctions. Mark Stock, welcome to Around Farm Progress. Hey, Willie. Glad to be here. So we're at the Farm Progress Show. Uh, we'll ignore the dogs barking for the dog diving dogs, which is actually fascinating. It's right here, so that's cool. When we talk about diving or rising, we're talking about land prices. We're talking about equipment auctions. Let's talk first about used equipment. You've been Your, your online business has been doing pretty well on used equipment. Uh, it's been doing very well. Uh, used equipment prices are up dramatically, you know, 20, 25, even 30% on certain makes and models of equipment just from the same time a year ago. So uh, anybody that's been selling equipment, they are pleasantly uh, surprised with the results. <laughs> they are surprised, though, right? They think they're putting it in, and they, they've got a price in their mind. And... and it's just blowing it out of the water. I mean, everybody usually has a, this is what I think it's worth. This is my dream high price. And uh, what's been selling in the last couple months has been above their dream high price. And that's because there just isn't a lot of machinery well or, or available. And, uh, you know, our saying has always been, if you take care of your machinery, it'll take care of you when you want to sell it. Now, obviously, something that's been beat is going to beat you back when you sell it, right? right. But the low-hour stuff that uh, has uh, been meticulously maintained uh, and uh, stored inside when not in use and pretty much uh, washed and waxed on a routine basis, those things are going to re- you know, repay you for your labor and taking good care of it. What is that we call that Andy Clean Equipment now with Andy Pastor on Twitter always doing that. He's actually on the site for the show site putting stickers on equipment out here. So that's the kind of stuff that, so that brings up a good question. How pristine does it have to be to perform well? And is this something that if I've got some equipment on my place that I don't need anymore, I should really think about getting rid of no matter how, what kind of condition it's in? Am I still going to do pretty well? Well, I always tell people if there's a piece of machinery on your operation you haven't used for two years, why are you keeping it? You know, because there is somebody else uh, in this global market of the Internet that is looking for exactly what you are no longer using. And then you can take that revenue that's earned from that item and turn it into something that you want to use in your operation. So it's not a bad play because if you ain't uh, growing, you're slowing, right? <laughs> so, And if you're not using a piece of machinery, you just as well turn it into cash and do something else with it. Now, I know it's big iron auctions and we talk about equipment, but you also sell land or you're involved in land transactions. That's got a little nuts too. Oh, yeah, that's gone up. Uh, I think in a lot of cases we're up to the 2014 highs. We've kind of recovered the correction from that time period. And in some cases, in some areas, it's gone and surpassed that. And that's primarily because of the scarcity of availability of land. And there's cheap interest rates, which keep in... Uh, 
you know, keeping the farmers involved, but the investors are heavy, heavy players right now trying to uh, get land put into their portfolios. Yeah, I think that's a big deal. I mean, has it surprised you that it turned around that fast? Yeah, it absolutely did surprise me. But, you know, it was a commodity price run-up, right? So, uh, you know, $4 corn, which was good money, yeah. uh, turns into $5 corn, which is okay money. And then you got 6 and six and a half dollars corn, which is out unbelievable money. And uh, then people got a little extra jingle-ling-ling in their pockets, so they do what everybody wants to do with that. They want to invest it in either machinery or land. And so we're seeing the machinery prices up. We're seeing the land prices up. We're seeing the low scarcity of both of those products, which is kind of nudging the fire and make it burn even brighter. So when we're in an online auction, there's also a comment trail of people commenting on the equipment that's for sale. Is it partly because there's just no good, there's good used equipment, but the new equipment, but there's just not a lot of it out there? Yeah, there is a scarcity of the real low-houred stuff, which is what's bringing a premium. But, you know, there's a lot of good quality equipment that's still... There, there's a there's a buyer for every type of machine out okay. there. That's so you'll cool. always have the 300-hour buyer. You'll always have the 1,000-hour buyer. You'll always have the 4,000-hour buyer. You'll always have that 9,000-hour buyer because the 9,000-hour buyer says, well, I can run that thing. I know how to fix it, you know, yep. so to speak. And and then you have those people that say, well, geez, once it gets 4,000 hours, I don't want to own it anymore because something's going to happen. So they want to sell it. Well, the other buyer says, well, geez, that thing isn't even broke in yet. So there's always somebody out there looking for something. Uh, and with, like I said before, with the big market that's out there that the Internet brings to the dance, and people are not scared to haul something four, five, six, seven hundred miles anymore. It's not that big a deal. They get it on a truck. It rolls down the road. It shows up on their place. They unload it. They do the, whatever they want to do to it, and they start using it. Big Iron Auctions, did you start as an online business right out of the chute? No, you were a travel around with the truck and sell equipment and a sale. When did you get into online work? Well, we started broadcasting our open outcry sales back in 2001. We were probably one of the first auction companies in the country, and uh, we had more farmers mad at us because we're saying, what is that Internet thing going on over there? You know, we're saying, well, you know, they're at home. They're not out here in the heat or the snow or the blizzard, wherever you... You know, you guys are out there in the air-conditioned environment or their furnace, and they're just pushing their mouse on their desktop computer. But uh, then in 2009, we just uh, started doing some timed-only auctions, and then it took off from there. Uh, our first sale in 2009 had 21 items on it, but we had over 800 registered bidders. And then uh, just a month later, we had over 200 items selling, and it just shot up, and we started doing the auctions every week, only about eight months shortly thereafter, and it's just been growing ever since. I mean, that's just so different from the days when you'd go to a sale and there might be 60 bidders. And now you're talking 800 bidders for 21 items. But I've had farmers say to me, well, I can't talk to you today because I'm, I'm sitting in on an auction and I'm waiting for that thing I want to come up. And uh, last Wednesday sale, there was over 45,000 people that were watching the auction online. Those are 45,000 IP addresses that are all traceable, trackable type of deal. So you have that much volume, those many, that many people watching. Yeah, there's still a bargain on every sale. Don't get me wrong. Don't, yeah. don't, don't think that you can't find something that isn't reasonably priced because that happens. That's what an auction is all about. But most of the time, the equipment sells uh, for market value or exceeds market value in today's environment. So that's a, that's a word to the, the buyer who's like, I'm looking for this 3,000-hour tractor. I need to set my expectations a little bit higher on what I might pay for that versus the old days. You have to do that right now, otherwise you're not even going to have a chance. And uh, that's what's going on with land, too. you just got to raise your sights or you're not even going to play. So, uh, and, and, and 
you know, good quality equipment will still, once again, take care of itself if yeah. you take care of it, even no matter what price you purchase it for. And remember, you're in control when you're the last bidder. Six months from now, if you don't like it, you can always turn around and sell it. When you're the second last bidder, you ain't got control of anything. <laughs> you don't have that use of that machine. Now you're still looking for something else. Do you have some speculators bidding on equipment now thinking they're going to make a deal later with that same piece of equipment? Uh, most of everybody buying right now are end users. Uh, very wow. few, very few people that are buying to resell because it's you know when when is the cliff gonna when are, when are we gonna get to the cliff right? So we don't know that we don't know when all this stuff is gonna get a little back to normal. We don't know when all the the chips so to speak are gonna get back into all the pickups and all the cars and all the tractors and all the components for the parts that are everybody's waiting on. We don't we everybody's saying oh it should be in a month or two. Well, maybe it's going to be four or five or six months. Maybe it'll be a year from now. You know, COVID really slowed down supply chains on everything, and it takes a while for that boomerang to come back. Yeah, I mean, I'm hearing maybe even as late as 2023 for some types of chips, not the lower-level chips, but some of the more advanced chips. So buy your, if you can get a hold of something, you might want to buy it now if you want something new, but there's a lot of good used out there. It, anything else that you'd want to tell a, a farmer that maybe hasn't done the online, online auction before but is starting to get into it? I mean, I'm sure there's a few. Well, as a seller, don't be scared of it at all because your equipment exposed to so many buyers. And as a buyer, just look at all the stuff that we do on our website because we provide a lot of pictures. We provide videos of everything that runs, and we always provide two points of contact, the owner's name and their phone number and the rep's name and phone number that was actually out there looking at that equipment. So you can always go inspect it, too. Even if it's three or 400 miles away, go for a nice little drive. It's kind of fun. Everybody's been cooped up for a while. Get out in the country. Go check it out. And go look at it and go touch it and feel it just if, if you're nervous about that. And after you've had your first one or two experiences on the Internet on BigIron.com, I think you'll get more comfortable with it all the time. You do get guys calling your reps or calling the farmer regularly to check stuff out? All the time. That's, that's why it works. That's why people... Uh, like Big Iron because we're we're we believe in transparency. We believe in honesty. It's uh, we want to do business with everybody over and over and over again. It's not a one and done program here. And it isn't one and done, right? You have a lot of repeaters. Oh, we have tremendous repeaters. There's you know close to three thousand different sellers every year on Big Iron. That number keeps growing. Doesn't seem like a bad deal to be in it. But now, how many people are in the online auction business? Is it getting a little crowded? Well, you know, with COVID, a lot of open outcry auctioneers had to somehow figure out a way to get into the space. So they're using third-party providers. Uh, we have access to all of our data and all of our information because it's not a third-party provider. It's our own information. It's our own data. And, of course, we know how to tie everything into social media, digital media, and all that stuff. So it can travel the world really, really fast. And uh, uh, it, it's a good program if you want to use an online auction. We've been doing it for a long, long time. Well, you bring up a good data question. What do you learn from the data that you collect besides the IP addresses? Oh my gosh, everything. Uh, bidding, bitter, bitter tendencies. If somebody's bidding on a John Deere round baler and they didn't get it, the computer knows who that is. So the next John Deere round baler that comes up for sale, they automatically get notified. So all that data is, you know, is used for the good of the person that's selling next up in line. That's a good feature because it's like, oh, I missed that one. Oh, but I know that Mark and the team are going to text me when the next one comes up and I still might get one. Yeah, we've got such a fabulous uh, technology department. We've got a great marketing department. And, and uh, these are not, we, we don't have one and two teams. This is, a, this is a series of a lot of people. And uh, they do such a great job. They collaborate well. Uh, they study the market. They try to stay ahead of all the, all the curves that are out there and staying with the new, latest, and greatest stuff. So uh, check out the Big Iron website and you'll see some amazing stuff. I'm amazed with it all the time just because of these people. They're so bright and they're, they're geniuses, right? 
So what's going on? Uh, what are you doing here at the Farm Progress Show, and are you doing anything at Husker? Yes, we're going to be at Husker. We're going to be in Ohio. We do it at all the major farm shows, and, uh, you know, we're, we just love meeting people. Uh, we give away a lot of things, you know, a lot of five-gallon buckets, which yeah, we, we run out of them buckets in about an hour and a half this morning, and, you know, we ordered a lot of them, and we only got a third of what we wanted. I don't even think it was a third because of the resin shortages. So, yeah. you know, unfortunately, then we have to make sure we have enough for every day, you know, <laughs> so we're doing that kind of stuff. But we, you know, it's a great opportunity to talk to some of the people that live and work in your area. If you're close to Decatur here or anywhere in Illinois or the surrounding states, you want to come to this show and you want to talk to the reps. we got our Indiana reps, the Illinois reps, the Iowa reps here, the Missouri reps are here. We've even got a Michigan rep here. Uh, so they're here to talk uh, to anybody about what it is they want to get accomplished. Well, Mark Stock, it's been great talking to you about the auction market and what's changing. It's been a been an interesting evolutionary ride, but it got a little revolutionary in the last year. It has. And, uh, you know, every day is something new. Every day is a new and exciting adventure. And uh, we always tell everybody, you know, our ship is moving straight ahead, but we always veer to the right 10 degrees or to the left 10 degrees because that's just what you got to do. I pretty much think you're having a little too much fun in agriculture. We love what we do. If, it, if, if this wasn't fun, I wouldn't do it. How about that? So that's, that's great. Well, thanks for joining me on Around Farm Progress. All right, Willie. Thank you very much. Thanks to Mark Stock at Big Iron Auctions for his insights. The online auction business has changed a lot about how people buy land and equipment. But what about equipment makers themselves? Eric Raby is president and general manager for sales at Kloss. He shares some insights on how the supply crunch is impacting the industry, and he discusses how Kloss is managing supply. Eric and I also talked about some good news on the company and how it's expanding in the United States. Let's check in with Eric. Well, Eric Raby, uh, good to connect with you here at Around Farm Progress and at the Farm Progress Show. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Hey, uh, thank you for having us, Willie. Uh, glad to be here and visit with you. Kloss has been uh, moving the needle pretty hard the last few years. Uh, got rid of the yellow, got went to seed green. We introduced that two years ago at the at Decatur, yep. um, and we've been showing that around, and it's been good. But recently, you had a press release out. You've opened your early order system for 2022 a little earlier than usual. Talk to me about that. Yeah, we did. Uh, obviously, I think a lot of people in the industry are seeing supply constraints. And whether those are components or, in a lot of cases, it's just lack of logistics, we want to make sure that we understand what the demand is out there as, as soon as we possibly can um, so that we don't run into issues down the road when a farmer wants their new combine or their new tractor or whatever. We can help them plan for that. And we've got some incentives that go along with that to kind of ease that burden a little bit. Yeah, you basically want them to kind of pull the trigger a little earlier. And I've heard this conversation, waiting until December for a tax buy may not be the best move this year. No, this year, um, and, and not only from our standpoint at Kloss, but again, our industry as a total, uh, we've seen inventory levels come down dramatically. And I think a lot of people have seen that not only on the new side, but uh, more importantly on the use side, which is good. Uh, it helps to keep things moving ahead. But yeah, everyone's going to have to plan farther out than they have in the past. Well, thanks that you're doing the incentive makes a big difference. Talk to me about your supply. I mean, we were talking a little bit before. Everything is built not here and is brought over. Uh, what's the situation like for you and, and uh, for the company? Well, on the products that we do bring over, which is everything except the combines, um, uh, we've had to lengthen our lead times a little bit, but we do that internally. Um, we haven't really changed what we tell the dealers, right. but we've planned out uh, farther in advance. And not only for machines, but also for components. So all the combines are built in Omaha. But we still source those components both from Germany in some cases, but a lot of that is local content uh, from the Nebraska, Iowa area. Okay. Uh, and so we want to make sure that we get that. The other thing, though, that we're really keeping a close eye on is our parts supply. 
because that is one of the most important things is when a customer does make that purchase, we have to make sure that we support it after the sale. Uh, so we've really taken a very hard look, uh, which we always do, but even more critical in what is the supply of our parts um, going into this harvest and beyond. You know, when we talk about parts, there's an interesting break because a uh, farmer thinks about parts. He doesn't think of, you think about parts two different ways. There's a captive part, which is the only, you're the only maker and availability of that. And then there's the parts, which right. I could go to Napa for a belt if I had to. How and that, You watch that all around. Yeah, we watch everything. So what we do is we categorize parts into um, uh, category A, category B. Uh, and category A is then broken down farther into fast moving parts. Uh, so those are your wear items like you have on a forage harvester or a corn head on a combine or whatever and we really pay close attention to those. The other thing that we've done in addition to try to get customers to look at ordering their whole goods a little bit earlier is to get the dealers to look at their parts supply on a little bit earlier basis and working with them um, on, on shipment, on freight, things like that that make it easier because we don't necessarily want to pass that burden on to the dealer but in this case, if we're going to have a good supply of that after-sales support, we need to all be in this together. And, and that's a big deal, too, because we can't really have dealers running out of parts uh, because just that's just not going to work. Even if the part's sitting in a warehouse somewhere, that may not do me any good if it's going to take me four days to get it there. But you like the whole industry. Your logistics move stuff pretty fast. It does. It does. And in some of those cases, too, where there might, have, might be a customer that's maybe more remote than we'd like for them to be or whatever, we introduced a program that's been with us for many years called On Your Farm Parts. Uh, and that really gives us the opportunity to extend um, terms and special payment, uh, repayment privileges or whatever to the dealer that they pass on to the customer. So the parts you know you're going to have to have during harvest, we can already have on the farm. Yeah, that's a neat product uh, program. I mean, you do it, and it's a great incentive for dealers to do it. But I also think farmers, no matter what brand they have, might want to consider having their own parts box to have those wear items on hand all the time. And I think more and more guys are, and more and more farmers are putting in their own uh, service trucks, and they're loading those up. And I would assume you're asking them to load them up a little more? We are, but again, we want to do it in a way that's, right. that's practical for them. But, um, no, you're absolutely right, because a lot of the, um, uh, you know, um, upkeep and maintenance on machines is still done by farmers um, and we support that and we want to make sure that we support that with parts uh, and that's really proven to be a good way for us to do that because what it does is it gives them the peace of mind so if they're out in the middle of the night and they need a piece they can go to their their shed and it's in our box or anybody's box for right. that matter um, but then at the end of the season when they're done and the dust settles we can go back and say okay use these many parts and let's take care of, of, of settling up at that point. Well, and that makes sense. It takes the pressure off. They know that they, they got what they need and, and that type of thing. Anything else you're seeing in the industry? I mean, this is a wacky time, but you are tracking this pretty closely. Uh, but you're, you think you're able to keep up in, in this early order will help? Yes, I think so. If we take a look at our business, I mean, it's been very strong for us in North America over the last two years, and we fully expect that 2022 is not going to be any different. Uh, the question is going to be looking down the road and getting our crystal ball out and our tea leaves and figuring out when, and we all know it will happen, uh, what's going to be the next challenge that we face in the ag industry, and can we get ahead of that and, and really try to make sure that we weather the storm and that all of our dealers and their customers do the same be interesting to see what that challenge might be and actually maybe i don't want to but that's a whole different issue all the way around but as we look at all that you mentioned that the early order does that for you you we talked offline a little bit you're not seeing any shortages of, of parts or how's your chip situation we have to ask that yeah no the chip situation for us has been so far so good uh, again we're really closely monitoring that 
we're reaching out to different suppliers that we had before, not necessarily to completely augment uh, the supplier we had before, but to really kind of disperse our risk a little bit and maybe up our supply because as our volume goes up, their capacities in some cases may not be able to keep up. But there's a lot of other things too that uh, may seem somewhat trivial, but uh, rubber floor mats has been one area for us. So obviously we don't hold up the shipment of a machine, but when it comes offline and we're missing one piece and it's a rubber format, yes, we can make accommodations for that. But just to give you an idea of some of the things, could be very major, could be very minor, but at the end of the day, it's still something that we have to keep our eye on. Well, actually, I heard about this problem from another player, not about uh, rubber floor mats, but there was an exhibitor here at the Farm Progress Show that only ordered, ordered only got a third or uh, two-thirds of his order for five-gallon plastic buckets because of the resin shortage, and I assume it's all related to that kind of thing. It is, it is. I mean, not only do we have supply chain issues, and the supply chain is more than just manufacturing the components or turning the raw materials into finished goods or whatever, the logistics has been really kind of hard on all of us um, in terms of ships, in terms of airplanes, in terms of rail cars, in terms of trucks and trailers on the road. All that has been really pressed to the limit right now, and so we really have to pay close attention on what is the logistics change that, chain that goes along with the production that we've got scheduled, and do we have adequate um, transportation to get all that stuff where it needs to be, when it needs to be there. Yeah, I have heard uh, stories, uh, Wall Street Journal had a story recently about more and more buyers that are air freighting yeah. stuff from China. Are you doing a little more of that too? Uh, we don't. We do air freight uh, on occasion uh, on certain parts, but what we have done is uh, in conjunction with looking at our parts inventory which we have increased is we have upped the number of containers and just to give you an example we had the parts supply we had the ships but we couldn't find containers and it's just uh, but we have knock on wood we've got those secured and and, and we can do that but those are just some of the challenges that that we're all facing and then we just need to be aware of them we'll work our way through them and one of these days things will uh, ease up in that area and the pressure will be on in another well, the interesting thing there, and I guess I'll get down into the weeds, warning to farmers that I'm now getting into the weeds on manufacturing, but world-class manufacturing meant a certain thing. Mm-hmm. Lower work in process, tighter supplies, just in time. Um, has that ship sailed? No, definitely not, because it does. It represents uh, all the good things that come along with efficient manufacturing. But again, I think some of the things that you took for granted, which was supply just in time or whatever, just in time changed a little bit so we just need to be aware of what is that time now and how do we adapt to it so just in time isn't always today just in time might be within a week and a half exactly exactly but i think the other thing too is making sure that we're communicating with everyone that is dependent upon us for deliveries if we do have a problem being open and transparent looking for a solution if it's a short-term usage solution or something like that we've done a tremendous amount of that last year we did it under the pandemic scenario where things were just kind of shut down and now we're doing it under the scenario of having some tight supply on some things but i will say knock on wood again by the end of our fiscal year which will be the end of september uh, we will have 100 percent deliveries completed i don't remember i think we talked about this at uh, last year when we were uh, when i was talking to you somewhere did you really shut down any factories during COVID time in germany no we did not uh, we had, you know, some various outbreaks and things like that, but those were contained very well. And in our factory in Omaha, we never missed a beat, um, and the production of combines just kept coming. Um, so last year, again, was an extremely strong year for us in, in that environment, um, but uh, things worked really, really well. We were well, fortunate. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about the business a little bit. I'm driving around the countryside. I'm seeing more Kloss dealerships. So maybe, mommy, not so much more dealerships. Maybe dealerships adding Kloss outlets. What, what's happening in the retail side? 
Well, when we had our uh, our biggest uh, launch back in 2019 here at the Farm Progress Show, and just prior to that, our, our national dealer meeting, um, we really kind of set out the challenge to them that hey, we want to grow this business, and we want to grow it with our dealers, obviously. So we are seeing them giving Kloss now that we have a, a broader product offering and probably a better. I would say branding solution in North America, i.e. we don't have a yellow combine anymore, uh, it does mean some things. And if we can get our dealers on board to continue to push forward what we think is an outstanding product, but couple that with the best after-sales support possible, um, then they're seeing the value in that and, and they're willing to invest with us and we're willing, obviously, to invest with them. Well, they are pretty stores. Yeah, they are. They're very nice. Some are really, really nice. <laughs> I mean, those big white fronts and the yeah. big and the fancy sign and the, yeah. the cloth sign. I mean, cloth has always been about elegance and, and design as well as, I mean, that goes all the way back to Helmut in the early days. Right. I know we lost him in the last year. Yeah. Sad to hear. But a uh, well, great founder for a company. But as you look at, at the future, it's just about watching out for that next challenge. Yeah, it is. Or that next opportunity. Okay. I mean, uh, we, we, we have uh, two eyes and we keep one on the challenges and one on the opportunities. But right now, I think our biggest uh, opportunity in North America is to continue to tell the story. And a lot of people say, oh, it's a German company. But we're all, I mean, if you come to the Farm Progress Show today, every one of us here is an American. Um, and, and we know what goes on in American agriculture, and we just want to be able to convey that class value proposition uh, of really looking to very important components that's making money and saving time and how we can really substantiate that for the farmers. Well, let's not forget during the Farm Progress Virtual Experience taping, we actually saw some cloth equipment run pretty darn fast through some forages. <laughs> that was a lot of fun. That was. I, I saw that clip and I got a chuckle out of it. That lady, I won't repeat what she said on there, but she was very excited when that tractor came through. <laughs> yes, and then we, we'd had a dewy morning and it was just flowing, throwing as much water behind it as forage at one point. It was very cool to watch. Yeah, so. no, it's been, uh, it's been a lot of fun. And I think, too, is we've been able to expand that product portfolio it's helped us um, not only on the branding part of it, but people can see, too, that we're, we can become a bigger part of their operation than we were before, maybe just with a forage harvester or just with a combine. Yeah, but the forage harvester is a pretty big monster. You've got a good market share in the forage harvester. We do, yeah, and not only in, in North America, but also globally. I mean, we've been at this business for a long time and, and as such, uh, really still do lead the pack on that. Uh, but, yeah, they just keep getting bigger and bigger and meaner and meaner and... Uh, uh, the forage business has been very good for us. Well, Eric Raby, it's been good talking to you on Around Farm Progress. Thanks for your time. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it, and you have a good rest of the week. Thanks to Eric Raby for spending some time with us to discuss these equipment issues. And we thank Mark Stock for his thoughts and information, too. The farm equipment business has long been a dynamic industry, working to meet customer needs even in demanding times. Farm Progress is the nation's leading agriculture information source with 17 state and regional brands as well as farm futures, beef, national hog farmer and feedstuffs, and the just-finished Farm Progress show and Husker Harvest Days. Join us next week as we continue our agriculture journey around the country. I'm Willie Vogt, Editorial Director at Farm Progress. Thanks for listening 